Good morning, 1548 Heights, members and friends in person and online, grace and peace to you in abundance. It is a beautiful weekend in Hades, I mean Houston, Texas. My goodness, this heat is something else, isn't it? But uh, we're here, you're right, Lena, and so I'm glad to see you. I, I want to give a shout out to fathers who are here today. God bless you. You are doing a good and noble work, and it's never too late to be a better father, and it's always a good time to, to, to embrace the, the wonderful role and impact we have as fathers. So God bless you for that. At 1548 Heights, we're committed to a mission of being a transforming church, uh, changing lives for God and for good in the world as God transforms us into the image of Jesus. We focus on spiritual transformation, which is the process of being formed into the image of Jesus over time in community in the context of practices and exercises and rhythms and disciplines that bring us into God's saving and sanctifying work. So God can be glorified, our lives can be abundant, and we can bless the world. God loves us so much that he accepts us as we are. He loves us too much to want us to stay that way. And along those lines, we are in the sixth week of a series called Good and Beautiful. This is based on a book or in conversation with a book by James Bryan Smith called The Good and Beautiful You, Discovering the Person Jesus Created You to Be. And one of the things Smith is trying to do in this book is to sort of correct some of the toxic narratives he's heard among Christians about uh, various aspects of the Christian faith. And so today we're going to talk about holiness, as you could tell from many of the songs uh, Ashton had us sing. So as we always do, the Reverend would ask you to read with me Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Read our scripture for today and hear the word of the Lord. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Thanks be to God for his word and for his living word, Jesus Christ. So very short scripture today. So as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him in love. I would say that most Christians, myself included in many ways, don't really know what to do with this idea of holiness. If you ask us what righteousness is, we, we'd sort of probably be able to, you know, to explain that a little bit. But holiness? What in the world is holiness? Uh, we don't often feel holy. If someone says, oh, you're so holy, that's not a compliment. It's usually sarcastic. And so we're going to talk about and try to unpack that today. But the basic idea of holiness is this. It's to be set apart for God's purposes. To be set apart. And so, in some ways, in some contexts, you talk about the holy and the profane. And profane doesn't mean uh, language so much as just the common. Uh, or sacred and common. 
And so holy and sacred things are set apart for God's purposes. And Jesus, the kingdom of God breaking in through and in and with Jesus, uh, sort of distributes holiness. I don't want to say democratizes it, but distributes it. So it's no longer only for those who have been literally set apart, separated from common people for God's purposes. And so we're going to unpack that today. But we always start with what Smith calls a false narrative. A false narrative. And here's the false narrative about holiness. We are just sinners saved by grace. We are just sinners saved by grace. Smith tells a story of seeing an elderly man. I mean, maybe not as old as some of our elderly men, uh, Randy and Alan and stuff. But uh, he's wearing a T-shirt that says, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And Smith comes up to him and talks to him. And uh, the man was actually ingenious because it was an evangelistic tool where he'd get a conversation started with you about Jesus. And, and Smith really appreciated but that he, but he just thought of that afterwards thinking, is that all I am? Just a sinner saved by grace? That's it? And so it is true, of course, that Christians are sinners saved by grace. But that's just the beginning. That's, that's like saying, if you'll excuse me, I'm just a sperm donor as opposed to fatherhood. That's like saying, I'm just a high school graduate as opposed to a summa cum laude high school graduate. Or I'm just a short guy from Venezuela trying to play baseball as opposed to Jose Altuve. The patron saint of 1548 Heights, which is the whole, the Jose Altuve of churches in Houston. And so, yes, we are sinners saved by grace, but we are not just sinners saved by grace. Here's the true narrative. In Christ, we have been made holy. In Christ, we have been made holy. This is the distribution of holiness through Jesus. Note the tense there, have been made. Past time, single event, when we surrender ourselves to Christ and are baptized and raised with him in newness of life, we have been made holy with future consequences and implications and unfurling, if you will. Isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, when you see the epistles, Paul mostly, but Peter, writing to churches. There's a sort of standard first century Greek letter form, and you see they all take this form. I, Paul, an apostle, along with so-and-so, to, and very often, almost always, it's to the saints in Corinth or Ephesus or Philippi. Now, saints just means holy ones. And so he's saying, I'm writing to the holy ones in Philippi. Well, he knows they're not 
holy. I mean, in the definition of being sacred and set apart and almost perfect, he knows they're a mess. But this is who they are in Jesus Christ. They have been made holy in Christ. And and so when we think about holiness and, and saints, don't think of sainthood. Think of something that has been given to us through Christ. In him we have been made holy. Listen to how Smith puts it. Read it with me. It is absolutely true that we cannot be holy of our own accord. But it is not because we are sinners. It is because we fail to realize that in Christ we are saints. Our embodied souls long for purity because we are designed for holiness. God made us with the longing for holiness and God provided the solution to it. We cannot make ourselves holy, but we have been made holy by the grace of God. Let's look again on the screen, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. He has now reconciled you, you and me, in his fleshly body through death, so as, in other words, for what purpose? To present you, present you, holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, God, God the Father. That's amazing. I'm not holy and blameless and irreproachable in myself. Don't protest. But in Christ, I have been declared holy and blameless and irreproachable before God. And you have too if you are in Christ. It's a distributed holiness. Now, two teaching points about this. Because of this in Christ, we can approach God confidently. We can approach God confidently. Uh, another word, uh, another way of translating this word for confident is boldly. We can approach God boldly. Read how the writer of Hebrews puts it, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, this means mostly simply coming into the presence of God in prayer or in any other way, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's a reference to baptism there. Approach with confidence. Approach God with confidence because we approach through Jesus Christ, the mediator. Listen to how Paul puts it in Ephesians 3, 11 through 12. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen. In whom we have access in boldness and confidence through faith in him. Don't show this picture yet, David, but this became an iconic picture uh, during John F. Kennedy's presidency when, you know, he, he became president at a pretty young age, early 40s, and he had young children, and one of his children was John F. Kennedy Jr., who was about two or three, and he came in to see his dad into the Oval Office and, you know, hung around and played and everything while his father did presidential things or whatever, (laughs) and uh, John F. Kennedy was pretty sharp. He made sure the media got a picture of it because it was adorable, but look at this this picture. There's JFK Jr. (laughs) in his father's desk. You know, it's got a little open door there. 
But listen, he has confident access. Do you know what it takes to get access to the President of the United States? I mean, good luck. But he can just come in anytime. Why? Because it's his father. It's in a relational privilege, a relational connection. And so because we have been made holy in Christ, we can approach God confidently. Lord, I know you want to hear from me. I know you want to see me. I know you care for me. I can be confident about that. And second, because we've been made holy in Christ, we strive to live into this holiness. Live into it. Uh, Not attain it. Not uh, achieve it. But live into it. There's this thing called the divine indicative and imperative. The imperative is you you must do something, and the indicative is you are something. And in, in the Bible, it's always indicative first. Because you are, do this. Not do this, and then you will be. I will call you that when you do it. And so we strive to live into the holiness that God has given us through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Now, you'll hear this word a lot around 1548 Heights, or you should, because this whole process of living into our holiness is called sanctification. Sanctification. That's a nice, long, theological, religious word, but it means being made holy. Being made holy. So listen how Paul puts in 1 Corinthians... Now, the church in Corinth is an absolute mess. I mean, it's like an embodiment of the Jerry Springer show, if any of you remember that. I mean, and so uh, he doesn't quite call them holy ones. <laughs> you only notice that when you compare it to the other. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. <laughs> he says, li- hoping you're living into your holiness together with all those who are in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, striving to live into this holiness is in many ways a matter of acknowledging who we are in Christ and who we no longer are. I was at my happy place recently, H-E-B, as you know. And they've got an incredible meat display, as you know. And I took a picture of a kind of meat that I didn't buy, which you'll see for obvious reasons. Let's see a picture of it. Wagyu beef. Wagyu beef, man. $35.99 a pound. Wagyu beef is the highest, perhaps the highest quality beef you can buy in the world. Do you know why? Because it's a specific type of cattle raised in Japan, and they do not allow any of that cattle to be exported. It is set apart for the purpose of providing the finest meat in the world, and they breed these cattle so uh, uh, carefully, all measuring DNA, all this stuff, I don't even know, to make sure it stays the finest beef in the world. And 
then on the other side of the aisle was this, glazed chicken drumsticks. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost said, buy me, you know? I mean, it's like $3.99 for the whole packet, okay? And so often, we act like glazed chicken drumsticks, you know? Oh, I'll, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll be happy to hang around with the three-day-old casserole. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's easy. And, and God is saying, wait a minute. I have made you through Jesus Wagyu beef. Do not ever even go around that three-day-old casserole. You are made for more than this. You must insist on the finest around you. Now, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan and this analogy doesn't work for you, you are not a can of peas. You are an organic green bean. But I want to just be serious about this. The indicative says, you are this, so live into that. And so often we compromise ourselves, and we, we participate in things, and hang out with things, and tolerate things that are really no longer worthy of who we are in Christ. And I made a funny analogy of it, you know, glazed chicken drumsticks, but come on, man, this is who you are in Christ. And, it's, and it's, God has beautiful and good things for you, and they're not some of that stuff you're settling for, okay? And it's the indicative. It's not, don't do that anymore. That's bad. That's breaking the rules. It's, that's not who you are anymore in Jesus Christ. Here's two words that are associated with the musical world, of which I have no knowledge, as you may understand by hearing me sing. Um, you know, Lean, I think that's why no one sits in the front pews anymore, because you and I sing up there. And <laughs> but we make a joyful screech unto the Lord, I'll tell you. But here, look, dissonance inharmonious or harsh sounds. You know, you, you, when, you, when you experience dissonance, you're saying, that doesn't hold together. That doesn't hold together. It's just kind of uh, discordant. And then consonants, a harmony of sounds, a smoothness, a, 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 a rhythm. And, and my point is that there, as people made holy in Jesus Christ, there, there, is, there are things that are dissonant with who we are. They kind of screech. They kinda, it's like a, uh, nails on a chalkboard. And, and God is saying, no, that's not, I, 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 I want you to experience consonance, congruence in your life with who I've made you. Now, if you think this is all just sort of theoretical, listen what was going on in Corinth at this time. And, and Gentiles came to faith in Jesus in Corinth. Corinth was a port city. I mean, really, really, um, decadent, you know. Uh, I'm from New Orleans, so maybe even more than New Orleans, if I may say. And uh, one of the things the Gentiles did was they participated in temple prostitution. You go to the temple and you make an offering 
to the gods, and then you uh, engage in relations with a temple prostitute, and it was all considered part of fertility and good luck and whatever. And so the Gentile men now in Christ, in the church in Corinth, they ask Paul, hey, we just have a question for you. Um, can we still do this? <laughs> and, and you know what Paul says? 1 Corinthians 6, 15, he says, that is not who you are. He doesn't say, no, you can't do that. He said, that's not who you are. Of course you shouldn't do that. Do you not know that your bodies are members with Jesus? And are you going to now pair your body with a prostitute? You become members with her. No, 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 no. That's not who you are. In essence, you're Wagyu beef. Leave that chicken tender nonsense behind. And so when Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, this is the will of God. Listen, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's all he says. That God's will is that having made you holy in Jesus, that you continue to submit yourself to God and meet God in the, in the habits and disciplines and rhythms of, of your Christian life so that God can t- continue um, making Jesus alive in you. You see, we are not just declared holy. Christ is in us, living in us, and, and, and urging us into his image as we talk about every week. And so, friends, to be holy means ultimately to be set aside for God's purposes, and we have been made holy in Christ so we can approach God confidently and so we can live into our holiness. And and that's our calling. That's our calling. And it's a beautiful thing if we'll trust that. Um, And so I'll just say, uh, don't settle for claiming the life of a, a glazed barbecued chicken drumstick. That's not who you are. You're a Wagyu beef set aside uh, to be the finest in the world because that's what God has for us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you call us upward in Jesus Christ, and we can be confident coming to you and say, well, Lord, you know, here I am again, but you say, that's all right, come on, I'm, I'm making you holy. And so we pray for faith, we pray for longing, we pray for trust in who you have created us to be in Jesus Christ. Help each of us with our struggles. Anything we're holding on to, anything we're holding on to and afraid to let go of, even though we know it's something we ought to let go of, give us strength, Lord. Give us faith. Christ in us, we pray. Be made alive. In his name we pray. Amen.